Alrighty, welcome back to the pod. It's Macklin. Very, very happy to be back. You know, I really look forward to this time that I get to talk uninterrupted for 40 minutes or 30 minutes. I'm not really sure how long this podcast is supposed to be, but I, I enjoy the format a lot. It feels good to just get my thoughts out there and I have a lot to share with you because I tend to reflect a lot on the decisions that I make and try to extract out helpful learnings that I can share with people. So today's episode is going to be about what to do when you no longer feel as motivated to continue working on a project. And I'm sure that you've been here before. You start working on a project It's like your mind is absolutely blown by how much potential there is in the world. And you're excited and you can see all of these different paths before you and the world is limitless. And then eventually reality kicks in a little bit and, you know, it it goes from being just like this explosion of intrigue and possibility to being tangible work. And I've definitely felt, you know, that there have been some, some pretty high highs recently and then some low lows. And I've been in this position before with other projects, but I'm, I've actually like never come this far in terms of, I don't think I've ever been this consistent before. And also I've employed new techniques that I think you would find really useful that I want to share with you. So let me just give you a little bit of history and then I'll bring you to the modern day. So in the past, I have tried different kinds of projects. I, when I was still at Google, I was working with one of my buddies. He had his own agency and I was helping him with sales. So trying to close customers um, to become clients of his agency and then I would be managing the relationship and he would be managing the PPC strategy, like the advertising campaigns. Well, that was fun for a little bit, but not really. And I got over it quite fast. And I decided that I wanted to give website design a bit of a try. Now I wasn't on WordPress, I was using Wix because I thought it's really easy and I don't need to know how to code. So I'll just build websites for people and it'll be super easy. Well, it kind of was. I mean, it was definitely like easy, but it wasn't good. I actually didn't really enjoy the quality of Wix at all. And I realized quickly that I didn't want to spend time 
working for clients, doing something that I didn't feel excited to do. So I must have worked on that for maybe like in total, like six months, maybe to a year. But it was mostly in like reactive mode. So I wasn't really going out of my way to optimize their websites. I wasn't trying to upsell them on new services. I lost the passion almost immediately after signing contracts with some of my clients. And it was really tough because on one hand, uh, I didn't want to actually do the work. And on the other hand, I signed contracts that were far less than what I should have asked for. So like 200 bucks a month to manage a company's website was not enough to keep me excited about the project. It also just felt like it was just, you know, a drop in the bucket, even though it wasn't like, I understand $200 is $200, but at that time I was managing a book of business of $5 million at Google. So, you know, even though the $5 million was not my money and I didn't get a cent of the actual spend, um, I knew that companies were able to invest a lot more than I was asking for. And I guess I was just really worried that if I, if I asked for more money, that a company would expect more and that they would quickly find out that I didn't have the skills to do the work that I was asking money for. Which leads me to the first point on this, which is if you're going to offer your services, you need to make a decision. You're either offering them because you want to make money or you're offering them because you want to learn. This is not a new concept, right? This is like the whole, um, I mean, Alex Ramosi, if you don't know who he is, he's a businessman, sales coach kind of guy, just a really sharp guy with a great podcast. And, uh, you know, he, he says like there's seasons in your life, there's seasons of learning and seasons of earning, but it's not a new concept. For me, I was operating somewhere in the middle. So I, I was doing it wrong on both sides. So I was working by myself after I stopped working with my buddy on his agency and I was trying to do SEO and website management. But there was nobody that I could really learn from because I was working by myself. And when I tried to take classes online, I just didn't have the ethic um, to continue following up with that. So I wasn't learning and I wasn't making enough money to continue going. So it just fell apart. I just stopped um, trying pretty much. And I've definitely had other projects like that in the past where I just get super excited about stuff. But what I've realized is that even if a project of yours fizzles out, it doesn't mean that it's over forever. So I 
I used to, I used to write for fun. I just, I had this uh, satire newspaper. I still do actually. I'm going to plug it real quick. It's called ashtrayzenith.com. It's about a fake town in upstate New York that is, uh, it's a hotbed of like Confederate ideology. And, you know, it was just designed in a way, like the newspaper was just designed in a way to make fun of small towns, to make fun of like conservative politics within the context of woke culture. Because I think there's so much to make fun of on both sides. I think in terms of people being like overly conservative, I'm like, come on, like just let people live their lives. It doesn't matter, you know, how people live their lives. Just as long as it's not like impacting you, just let them live their lives. If somebody wants to have sex with a same sex partner, do it. Uh, Just, you know, leave them alone, let them live their lives. And uh, freedom should just be like the top priority there. But on the other side, it's like, if somebody says, I'm going to marry my toaster, I'm like, that's amazing. I'm I'm actually very happy when people find uh, <laughs> a useful spouse, but damn, dude, I'm going to get myself canceled. <laughs> okay, let me just take that a step back. Um, this newspaper was just really trying to like poke fun at both sides. I was making fun of conservatives for being too conservative and making fun of liberals for being too liberal. I like to be somewhere in the middle where I just have opinions that are very malleable. I'm always open to new information. And, um, and my biggest priority is people. So I want the people in my life, regardless of what they believe, to feel loved and heard and seen. And your political views do not hurt my feelings. Um, they, like your political views or someone else's political views are not going to be the thing that makes me love or hate you. They're separate. They're just your operating system. What I think is the most important thing is your values and By that, I mean, like, do you share values about how you live your life that are congruent to mine or somewhat parallel? And the things that I care about the most, I love it when people look to the long term and they see life for what it is. Because in my life, I'm able to easily see my grave like at any moment in the day i just like that i can just imagine that i'm going to be dead and all of the emotion that comes with that automatically fills my mind and what i mean is that it's not just like this far off abstract idea it's like i actually live with the feeling of mortality all the time And it's beautiful because it allows me to put things into perspective. So, uh, wow, this all, (laughs) this entire conversation, like this branched off because of my satire newspaper, uh, newspaper. Yeah. So thanks ashtrayzenith.com. You've done it again. You've really divided us. But anyway, um, that was a, (laughs) 
that was a rant. Uh, I just want you to know this is a safe space. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are as long as you're not uh, hurting, you know, hurting people physically or, you know, emotionally abusing people or doing stuff to children. We're cool, okay? You can have your guns. You can have your safe spaces. Uh, Same-sex marriage, traditional marriage, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, dogs, cats, goldfish. It doesn't matter to me. I just want you to be happy and for you to feel respected and seen. Because even if I don't agree with you, the one thing that I really try my best not to do is make someone feel like what they believe somehow impacts the value that they have on this earth. Because I don't believe that at all. We are all beautiful human beings on the inside. We all have the things that make us special and glow. Each and every one of us has someone who loves us so much in some way. You know, we have that parent that, you know, looks at us and just is overcome with like a sense of pride when they see us. Or we have a friend who would go out of their way to help us in our time of need. Or we have a dog that runs over to us the minute that we call their name or make eye contact with them or do a silly voice. It doesn't, you know, whoever it is, it doesn't matter. The point is we are all worth loving. We're all worth being seen. So I don't want to be someone that can't see the beauty in you and and who you are and what you think. And I, I guess this will play out more, like you'll be able to see it more when I'm having conversations with guests in the future because I really try to just understand where people are coming from. Okay, so back to the programming now. Um, so, you know, with that project that I had, the satire newspaper, uh, yeah, yeah, I keep calling it like a magazine, but the satire newspaper, um, I wrote it because it was fun and because it gave me the ability to kind of like flex a muscle that I didn't, that I didn't know I had, which was like writing silly stuff. And I worked on that project for about three months. And then I started another newspaper that I never actually like took off the ground because I was still, I was too bogged down in trying to figure out which direction it was going to go in. Um, but I've actually figured out for both of them that they are still projects that I want to work on. They're just not my top priorities. And and that's the thing that you will see if you continue to return to projects in the future. Like if you don't return to a project, the way that I never return to video editing, for instance, when I was doing that, or making music, which I did once, <laughs> um, if you don't return to it, it's just it wasn't for you and that's it. But if you do return to it in some way or another, really pay attention, try to figure out why you're returning. It, it could just be because there's a specific skill that you really enjoy flexing. It could be because you like, you know, the, the industry, the topic, a person that you associated with that thing. If you 
you know, we're in like some kind of sketch comedy group or, you know, after school sport, whatever it is. So I've been here before, um, where I am now, but I think the biggest difference between those times when I decided to throw up my hands and quit and now it's a few different things. So one of the first things is like, I actually see the path that I'm on as like the end path. So if I do this thing and I do it well and I eat shit for as long as I need to, I have no doubt in my mind that in one to two, maybe three years, I will be extremely wealthy as a result of taking this path. So that gives me a lot of confidence and it also allows me to fully commit. The second thing is that it's an area that I already enjoy. And, you know, creating content and writing and being silly and, you know, sharing myself with other people and and my thoughts and, you know, all of the different ways that I can express myself, I enjoy. So that makes it easier when I find that resistance is staring me in the face. To give you an example, this morning I was um, pretty T-I-R-E-D. I won't say that word anymore. I was the T word this morning. And by the way, I credit um, Patrick Bet David. Is that his name? Patrick Bet David. That sounds right. Um, yeah, he's got a great YouTube channel. And one of the things that he was talking about is like the significance of words that you use and how they can change. They can change the way that you perceive your own situation and how you feel. So I don't say the T word anymore, but this morning when I woke up, I was a little bit off my normal schedule. Um, I went to bed three hours later than usual and woke up three hours later. So when I rolled out of bed, I took my dog for a walk and then I immediately had a coaching session with my coach. And then I started with my morning routine. So my morning routine started like four and a half hours later than it normally does. And as a result, you know, just felt like things were a little bit wonky. Um, And I wasn't really feeling writing today, but I'm working on a project that, you know, it's a component of it. It's actually like one of two major components of the project itself is actually writing content. So even though I didn't want to do it, I sat down in front of my computer and then I got distracted for a total of two and a half hours, imagining myself moving from Berlin to Bulgaria and Portugal and like all these other places that have lower taxes. So I was just in a completely different world for like two and a half hours, very distracted. And then looking at Airbnbs, you know, where am I going to go and how am I going to, you know, spend the rest of the winter? Because I live in Berlin and, you know, I don't really see the sun, but it doesn't make sense that I'm looking at places like Poland right now to save money. Um, So I was also looking at Italy as well, so that not only would I save money, but I would also get hopefully some level of direct sunlight. And so in the past, 
when I've gone derailed the way that I did today and I didn't really feel like working, I would have probably jumped from the computer, like researching all the places, whatever I was going to live. And I probably would have jumped straight into Netflix or some kind of activity that would have distracted me further because it can get very uncomfortable when when you realize that you're distract that you're distracted from your goal it can create kind of like a fight or flight um response where you're just thinking i've already missed out on this amount of time that i could have been spending doing this thing i may as well just forget it altogether. And so one day of not really doing the work turns into maybe two days of not really doing the work. And then you're kind of removed from the orbit of the work itself. You lose sight of the value of the project. And before you know it, you just stop doing the project. And so that's where I think I usually ended up when I would reach the fork in this, in this, you know, journey, I would reach a fork like this and then I would go left and then find myself, you know, a month from now wondering why the hell did I ever think that was a cool idea to do that project? Like, I don't need to do that. I'll, I'll, I'll figure out another way. But today, after I I reached that point where I was done doing my research, I closed out of it, took my dog out for a walk, called my mom on the phone. We had a nice conversation. And then I came home, opened up the computer again, and I started writing. And I wrote for about an hour and a half. And, you know, it wasn't a plus writing by any means. And I didn't finish the article, but I made progress. And that's the important thing because there are going to be days where you don't really feel like doing much, but it's important that you do something because you need to show yourself. You need to lead by example and you need to be your own boss so you need to show the version like the the there's a boss inside of you like a a managing director and then there's an employee and my coach was saying today that like you know you have your um i guess the old brains like the lizard brain and then you have like the prefront prefrontal cortex I think that's the part of the brain that's responsible for more modern decision-making. Modern by, you know, um, what's the word? Gosh. Anthropological standards. Maybe that's the, the right way of putting it. So, you know, the more modern control center of our brain And so how I like to think of it now, now that I've had six hours to think about this, it's, it's like the back of your brain is the employee. So it's like the caveman. It's very reactive. 
It's like, I just want the day to go by quickly so I can get out of here and stop working. And the employee is looking to avoid pain and is looking to achieve as much as possible with the least amount of work as possible. So just really trying to coast. The front of your brain is like the managing director. It's like the co-founder. It's like, hey, we got to get this work done. And regardless of how it gets done, we cannot stop until it's finished. So on the days that you don't feel like working and you would rather just coast and watch Netflix, think about that dichotomy for a second where you you have two different people inside of you. You have... Wow, somehow that just sounded so sexual to me. <laughs> and my mom knows about my podcast now, so sorry. But yeah, think like in your brain you have two different versions of yourself. So like you have the employee and you have the managing director. Some, some days the managing director is going to be fully present, standing in front of the office and making sure that things go the way that they need to go. Other days, the managing director is sick or they're on a business trip and the employee is allowed to work unsupervised. Now, fortunately for you, if you choose to be present, the employee is never unsupervised. And you don't want the employee to feel micromanaged either. What you really want is the employee to make decisions that are in the company's best interest without them ever realizing that you played a role in their decision making. So you want them to think that they made the decision themselves all along. So the easiest way to do that is to put yourself in a position to succeed rather than setting yourself up for success, uh, for failure. So to put yourself in a position to succeed, what that looks like is organizing your desk or wherever you work every single day before you go to bed, putting out the necessary materials. So if you have like a habit tracker, I definitely recommend keeping that front and center just to remind yourself of like what your habits are and what you're prioritizing in your life. Um, if you have pages on your computer, like URLs that you have bookmarked, make sure that they're very easy to find. Pretty much just like make it easier to do work than it is to screw around. I use a tool. I don't know what it's called. Maybe it's called undistracted and it's a Chrome extension. I'll, I'll try to find the name of it in the future and I'll share the title with you. But what it does is, first of all, it's like a site blocker. So it allows you to, you know, remove sites that you don't want to visit during the day to help you avoid distraction. But it's got a very clever feature where it lists out Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, I think. Hmm, I think those might be the only ones. Oh, and LinkedIn. LinkedIn is key. So it lists them out. It has like buttons for each of them on the uh, Chrome extension. And then on 
each of those different social media platforms, it has like custom options. So I don't have Facebook. I just created a Twitter three weeks ago, which was pretty crazy for me. Uh, Of course, I waited until Elon Musk became the CEO of Twitter before I created my Twitter. So I'm hoping that now, now that he's the, uh, the CEO, I'll just get tons and tons of followers now that he's, you know, changing the algorithm. Now I'm obviously joking. <laughs> I think I have, I think I have like a, a handful of followers still, but that's not the goal. That's not the reason I created it. Anyway, let's just go back. Let's just keep it focused. So on Twitter, for instance, it gives you the ability to block the feed, which I do to block recommended follows. Um, you can block notifications all from the Chrome extension. On LinkedIn, it allows you to block all the news, the feed, the comments, um, the messages, but you can still use LinkedIn. It just requires you to be more deliberate. So like you wouldn't just go into LinkedIn and be distracted because there's almost nothing to be distracted by. It's very much like, okay, I'm looking for a specific person so I can reach out to them for sales. Okay, that's LinkedIn. Then for YouTube, which by the way, YouTube is like one of my favorite platforms ever, but not just because of like making videos and stuff. I think it is one of the best ways to learn. It's an underrated learning platform, especially the way that I use it. So I have it so that the feed is completely blocked. I don't see any new videos. I don't see any thumbnails. Um, I don't get recommendations, which means when I go into YouTube, again, it's very targeted. It's like, I have a specific idea and I go into YouTube and I search for it, but because all of the thumbnails are blocked, I actually need to read the titles and decide which videos sound the best, which prevents me from just choosing like the clickbaity Uh, thumbnails. So that's my technique. Wow. I'm yawning a lot. I hope that you're not. Anyway. I just find that it's very helpful if you have a clear idea of like what you want to actually achieve on any given day and you take steps to do it. If you don't achieve as much as you wanted to achieve, but you still achieve something, you can't say that you didn't do anything. And for me, that's like one of the worst feelings is like when I look back on a day and I really do feel like I didn't do anything. Which is why I'm definitely going to go to the gym because it's now it's 7:40, the gym closes in an hour and 20 minutes. And I really enjoy going. So just to put it into perspective, that's kind of what it looks like, right? It's like I look at my watch. I know I have an hour to get there because it takes me about 15-20 minutes to get ready and leave. And it's more important that I show up and that I put some effort in than 
going there and putting in, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Like I would rather just put in the 30 minutes or the 25 minutes than no time at all because tomorrow when I wake up in the morning, I won't have that feeling of disappointment that I didn't, that I didn't try. And I think that's where the, the key difference is in where I'm, where I'm at now and where I've been in the past in, in a similar pursuit of a, of a goal. And even with like weight loss and stuff, I wanted to just share this with you because I think it's important that we're honest, not just when we triumph, but also when we have shortcomings. Because you guys need to know that I'm, I'm just a human being. Um, if my plans go the way that I want them to go, and I really believe that they're going to, in 10 years from now, people listening to this are going to say, holy shit, Macklin Buckler was a regular guy. I still hope that I am a regular guy, but they're going to say he was just like us. And because he followed his own advice, he became what he is. So my recent like stumbles had to do with overeating because I tend to overeat as a way of processing my emotion. And, um, I was 100, so I started off, when I moved to Berlin, I was probably 167 to 170 pounds. I'm five foot nine. I moved somehow all the way up to 177 to 180, so I gained 10 pounds, um, 10 to 13 pounds, when I was in my first year in Berlin. So from 2020 to 2021 or so. And then this past year, I was like in 2022, I think like I had reached a point where I was like 167 and then I somehow got down to 163. And then I was at 155, which is what I, um, which is what I was like kind of maintaining, which was crazy to me. It was like the least that I've ever weighed as an adult. But then in past weeks, I actually got down to 149 and that was sick because like my abs were showing and stuff, but I was not taking my emotions seriously. I wasn't really like taking them and giving them the space that they needed. I was just stuffing food into my mouth and trying to like hide the feelings that I was having because it can feel overwhelming at times when you're working towards a project and you don't know what the outcome is going to be, but you're fully committed to it. So you kind of have to eat shit if it fails. You are the last line of defense, essentially. So this thing just comes crashing down on you if you, if you in quotes, fail. So I, I put on another six pounds since that time. I'm now 155 again. And in the past, you know, this would have really deflated me. It would have made me feel like I wasn't going in the right direction and that like everything that I knew was just falling apart. And so this morning I rolled out of bed, as I mentioned, and I walk into the bathroom and I look at the scale and I'm thinking to myself, look, 
I feel okay about the situation. I know when I step on the scale, I'm not going to be happy with the number. But I stepped on the scale anyway, because I wanted to know what the number was. It said 155.6. And I just took a deep breath and I smiled and I was like, okay, well now I know. And in that knowledge comes control because I know, which means I can do something about it. This is really important because I don't enjoy operating in the unknown. I don't like uncertainty. I like yes or no. I like binaries. Now, obviously you can't have that in business. It's, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty in business, but when it comes to actually making decisions, in my mind, I like to know that things are, are yes or no. And something that happened to me the other day, well, sorry, let me just take one step back. The reason that I like yes or no is that if you have a negative answer, something that you don't like, like you don't get into the university that you wanted to get into, or someone breaks up with you, or you didn't pass, you know, your test, whatever it is, it's like, okay, well, that's over now. Now I can actually take control back by deciding how I'm going to react to that situation. But when you're in uncertainty, it's very difficult to do so. So I had something happen to me the other day. I found out that for three years, almost, I've been living in Berlin. And I was under the impression that I had a blue card. And a blue card is the highest form of like work visas that they have in Germany. And what it allows you to do is to become a permanent resident faster or to become a citizen faster in Germany. So it's not really relevant for people that just want to be here for a job and then they plan on moving. But for someone like me who really wants to be here, set up my life here and stay here, I was very pleased that after 33 months, I would be able to do that. Well, I don't have a blue card, even though I fulfill the requirements. And how I learned about this was the other day I reached out to the immigration office because I'm in month 32 of being in Berlin. And I was anticipating that in month 33, I would finally get my settlement permit, permanent settlement permit. So I emailed them and they were like, yeah, you don't have a blue card. And I was like, <clears throat> of course, there must be some kind of mistake. I do have a blue card. They were like, no, you don't have a blue card. I was like, let me send you a photo. My dear, you must be mistaken. So I like, sent her a photo of my blue card, the front and the back. And her response was basically like, yo, you idiot. That's not a fucking blue card. And I was like, what the fuck? This lady's crazy. She doesn't even know what a blue card looks like. She's got to get another job. Like, obviously, she's new. So I involve my last employer in the process, and I go, hey, look, I don't know why, but they're saying I don't have a blue card. She's like, that's not a blue card. I'm like, well, somebody's fucking up here. 
um, because they help, like my last employer helped me file my blue card. So I was like, you can understand this. So I said to her, I was like, you can understand like, this is kind of crazy, right? Like you helped me with my blue card. She's like, yeah, I don't know why they're saying that you like why you were never given one because you obviously don't have one. So she reaches out and then they're like, yeah, he didn't qualify for it because his university degree was in political science, which he does not need to be in sales. And I was like, damn, that hurt. But the answer didn't bother me as much as the uncertainty. So when I was, when I was waiting for days to hear back from them, to know if it was just a mistake and if it was, whether they would rectify it or if it was something more sinister, it was tearing me apart. But now that I have an answer, I can make a plan. Now I have control again. So when there are things that we don't want to accept in our lives, like our weight gain, our depleting bank account, our, you know, lack of progress in our careers, maybe like a stagnation in our relationship. You can either let those things continue existing in the way that they are and just say, it is what it is, but then you can't complain or you can just take a a cold, hard look at the situation and say, okay, these are the facts. What am I going to do about it? But if you don't check your bank account, if you don't take inventory in your goals and in your like path, the path that you're on careers wise, uh, career wise, or your relationship or whatever it is, like if you don't have the information, you're not going to act because in your mind, it could be, you know, you, you, you know, more likely than not the answer, but you might just say, oh, I don't know. I'm probably just overreacting. I'm not fat. I'm just... I'm just full. I've been eating a lot recently. I'm just bloated. But until you step on the scale, you can just continue to have like plausible deniability. And that is going to be your biggest enemy. So do yourself a favor and do me a favor. If there's something that you're working towards or, you know, something that you are really trying to improve in your life, ask yourself if you're going in the right direction. Ask yourself if you're pleased with the way that things are already going. And if you continue making progress at the same pace that you're making it, what the trajectory is going to be. I like to use spreadsheets. That's just like my own thing, because I think it's really important, like especially when you're when you're creating targets for content creation, you need to know what your metrics are. It's just like sales, right? Like if you don't track your sales, you're never going to know if you're successful. You might think that you have closed more sales than you have. And you need to do the same thing. So ask yourself if you're going to be pleased in five years, if things continue the way that they are.
Because I'm going to tell you this. There are literally millions of people out there who make decisions in that exact same way and are baffled that they're still average because that is literally average behavior. Like if you put in average behavior, you get an, you get average results as the outcome. So you need to do something that's different, right? You need to go above and beyond somehow and you may as well be informed at the very least, like there's so much value in knowing the answers to, s- to some of the questions at least having the information to make your decision off of. Because then like, let's just say that you look at the scale and it says 155. So you've gained six pounds like me. If I decided that I was going to continue overeating and eating the wrong stuff, it's my decision. And I would rather make that decision with all the information so that there's no surprises. So if I continue going down the path that I'm on right now, I would very much expect to be overweight over a longer period of time, and I wouldn't be surprised. I would rather know before I do something what the potential outcomes are. What I don't want is to not take inventory for like a full year, step on the scale next January, and think, holy shit, I put on 28 pounds. Like, that would be devastating. So do yourself a favor, arm yourself with information, and then make your decision. It doesn't matter which decision you make. You got to do what's right for you because one day you're not going to be on this earth anyway. And I promise you, if you end up eating a Snickers bar or breaking up with your girlfriend or boyfriend or, you know, binge watching Netflix today, it's not going to matter because you're going to die one day. It's not going to matter in the grand scheme of your life. If you do that every day, obviously you can't break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend every day. Although that's definitely how my first relationship was. But, you know, if you continue to just make piss poor decisions, you're just going to get piss poor outcomes over a long period of time. So one day in isolation doesn't really matter. But if you zoom out in the macro and it's just like more often than not, you're making piss poor choices. You're going to have a piss poor life and you're going to have no excuse. (laughs) So... Just think about that. All right. I think that was uh, pretty much what I wanted to cover today. And I hope that you found this useful because we're on this journey together. I am learning every single day with you and sharing what I've learned with you. The ideas are going to evolve and we're going to get closer to the kernel of truth. And we'll see how it develops over the next three years. If I reach the point that I want to reach, we'll look back at this podcast and say, that boy figured it out. If I didn't reach where I wanted to reach, we'll look back at this and say, all right, he didn't achieve the outcome that he thought he was going to achieve. And But maybe we can actually use this to figure out what he could have done differently. So there is no loss. It's, there's nothing to lose by sharing this with you guys and helping you learn from my mistakes. 
enjoy your Saturday. Actually, I'm not going to post this on Saturday. Shit. I'm not going to cut it. I think I'm going to post this tomorrow. So Sunday. So enjoy your Sunday. Or if I post it tonight by surprise, enjoy your Saturday. But just remember, it's just another day. Put in the time, put in the energy. Every day can feel like a Saturday. If you are excited and enthusiastic and willing to put in the work, it won't feel like work. With that, I'm just going to say good luck and peace.